2: sirens ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between welcome to another episode of the outsider's edge first and foremost the outsider's edge is brought to you in conjunction with the chairshot.com chairshot radio network always use your head it is your boy rance aka ray cash uh it's a little different this week probably the most different episode of the edge we've ever had because i am solo dolo your boy stepped in the booth by himself um of course, you know, Carl is off on sabbatical doing sabbatical things, I guess. And your boy Kyle is being an adult. Started back school this week and is uh, just trying to get life acclimated. And more prior to him, he'll be back in a week or two. Um, thought about taking the week off. You know I'm a busy dude with work, family, and all the other shows that I'm involved with. here you on know, The Chair and various other networks. But it is the SummerSlam edition. Too big, too big of a show. So we got a sum, we got a solo SummerSlam breakdown for you guys tonight, and uh, we're gonna try to do this thing right. But before we get into SummerSlam, got some interesting things this week to talk about. Um, especially over the past day or two, two particular news items have uh, come up and have. <laughs> You guys know how the IWC is. Have kind of split the IWC in half. And um, one of them involves, of course, who you think it does, Mr. CM Punk. Uh, This show comes out Friday afternoon. So tonight is the much anticipated, much uh, assumed. Because it isn't, it's all but guaranteed. But it's the much anticipated return to wrestling of CM Punk at aew rampage the first dance at the united center shout out to big tony getting the big chicago stadium uh so that's going to be a crazy show and uh someone said this and it's it's such a i can't remember who it is if i did i would shout you out forgive me but it is a dope and true statement if if cm punk shows up that's news if cm punk doesn't show up that's news so no matter what happens tonight, it's going to be news. Um, and, as, and as big a show as this is, don't forget, two hours before, we have the go-home edition of SmackDown. And uh, a lot of storylines, a lot of big storylines carrying carrying over to a Saturday SummerSlam. It's pretty different. It's going to be a big, 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 big week of, in Vegas, a big week in wrestling. Um... Because don't forget, SummerSlam is uh, at at the football stadium in Las Vegas on the Strip, Allegiant Stadium. And the Errol uh, Spence-Pacquiao fight is right afterwards. And Sunday, of course, don't forget, NXT TakeOver 36. Big, big things on the horizon. But I want to kind of break down a couple of things. So let's talk about this first topic, then we'll take a break and get into the other good stuff. But, uh, so... Being that it is SummerSlam weekend, um, the media blitz for WWE has been crazy, as it should, as it normally is. Any big, major wrestling company going into one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year normally has some sort of media blitz. By the way, this is a good time to shout out uh, WWE's new deal with The Ringer Media and Spotify Uh, we'll talk about that a little later on, but Ariel Helwani, who works for BT Sport and has a podcast with The Ringer, uh, which The Ringer Wrestling Feed now, uh, got a chance to interview the big dog himself, the tribal chief, my tribal chief and the head of the table, Mr. Roman Reigns. And, uh, it was a quite a noteworthy interview. Uh, I'll spare you a lot of the other kind of superlatives and things that came from the interview. But there's one thing in particular that has got the internet a bit ablaze today. Uh, Roman is talking, Roman spoke about uh, how, well, how Ariel asked him uh, how CM Punk, particularly and other superstars and other fans, uh, have had issues with past and part-time superstars coming in and getting big spots. Uh, taking away from the full-time guys and that's been a thing we've talked about here on the interwebs and on the edge particularly for years John Cena Who dedicated his life to his business for 15 20 years is officially now a part-time superstar? And so he, he asked Roman. What was his thoughts on it? And I'm gonna read you a direct quote Roman says I can see it from both perspectives, but I think you said it before that high tide raises all the boats, and everybody benefits. So I do think that there's that strange threshold, but I think those statements are coming from bitter people who possibly thought they were better than they really were. When it comes down to it, CM Punk was not as good or as over as a John Cena, wasn't as good or over or moved the needle like The Rock. It It just was what it was. From a full-time performer, I, underta- I understand the frustration and wanting more. But like I said before, you gotta take it. I'm a full-time performer, but I've done everything that needs to be done to stay in this position. To be in this position. To continue to make the opportunity for myself to be in a main event at SummerSlam against the John Cena. If anybody ever comes along to try to push me out of that scenario, I'm gonna fight like hell to keep the ground that I've made. It's just one of those debatable we can go back and forth and we can change our perspective. If you're one of those types of people who can see it in a different set of eyes, but I really think if more eyeballs are being brought to our product, and of course it depends on who it is, but a guy like John Cena, who's starring in multiple movies this summer, and when it comes down to it, earns the right. And he's at that portion of his career where if he is a part-time performer, I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to capitalize on him being here and everything that he brings with that. And that's my goal. That's the whole gimmick to me. Is this is John Cena. Why wouldn't I want to be in the ring? Why wouldn't I want him to come at me? You know what I mean? This is the biggest movie star of the summer right now. Why would I? And he came to me. He came to the head of the table. He came to Roman Reigns. He wanted to be in the ring with me. And I'm not going to complain about that. But I think other people who think that they should have more. Or be more. And aren't willing to actually do it. They're, ju- they're going to have a different explanation than what I just did. Now, that's a lot, a lot to kind of break down. So let's start off with number one. Number one, a lot of people are calling out Roman saying that uh, he got Punk in his mouth unnecessarily. Or the WWE sent him to go, a- go after Punk um, and things of that nature because Punk is relevant again because of his uh possible and expected association with AEW First and foremost that's that's to quote my good friend Mags as bollocks. And I'll tell you why. We a lot of the times as a fan base attack the athlete, the entertainer, the interviewee on their answers without thinking or caring about the question that was asked. If Roman brought up CM Punk on his own volition then I can understand some of the credence of some of you guys having problems with it. If Roman just up and said, yeah, and the CM Punk guy. Yeah. He went as over as the rock. He went as over as Cena. I get it. I can understand it. He was asked a question directly from one of the best interviewers, the best MMA interviewer for sure. in the game, let's also speak about, you know, so many anti WWE people have so many, uh, conspiracy theories because, you know, I think Vince controls every aspect of everybody's lives. Let's talk about the possibility that Vince or somebody from WWE brass put in Ariel's ear to ask that question. And let's with, with that, let me respond to you by again, I I try to speak in tangible facts. I'm completely fine with the fan being a fan and speculating on fan things. But when it comes to things of this nature, I like to invoke tangible facts. Elio Helwani has openly admitted that he stopped watching wrestling for about 15, 10 to 15 years. So I'd argue the only reason he knows who CM Punk is, to the level that he does, is from UFC. And then that led to him probably figuring out what he did in WWE. And remember, it was a genius move, but Dana used a lot of his WWE clout, Punk's clout, in his push to the to the UFC, understandably so. Most people didn't know who CM Punk was unless you're a wrestling fan. And yeah, he was did he become a main, a mainstream star at the level of Rocker Cena. No, but was he known more than your standard wrestler? Absolutely. So, thinking about Hilwani and why he would ask that question, John Cena has openly talked about how he's only here for a month because uh in three weeks maybe four he's scheduled to shoot a major motion picture movie in europe and he's going to be on site for about three four months so this is absolutely uh i'm coming and i'm leaving situation this isn't a What Cena's done in the past where I'm here for three to six months. This isn't what Chris Jericho used to do in WWE, which is when I come, I come, I'm full-time. Now, Cena has been full-time since he's been here. He's done damn near every show, televised or house show. Even the shows he's not on TV, he's in the building and he works a dark match. He's been there. And again, that's because he cares about the business. But just thinking about why Ariel asked this question, while he's talking to the biggest star in the industry... If you don't believe that you're wrong, but let's he definitely the biggest star in WWE and asking a question. And he's, he's, he's talking to him about his feud and his, the, his match of the biggest pay-per-view of the summer. in a 40,000 plus seat arena and asking him about the guy who just starred in two major pick movies over the summer and got a TV show coming out at the end of the year. Not to mention two other TV another TV show on TV and all the things that Cena's in. The relevance of that question is real. How do you feel about it, Roman? You know, this is the this is the off chance we get to talk to Roman outside of character. Yes, we're referring to him as Roman Reigns, but he might as well have been interviewing Joe NYE. So it's a very fair question. Now, Roman's answer. It rubs people the wrong way because CM Punk is the IWC's guy. Now, wrestling fans, we've spoken ad nauseum about how fickle wrestling fans are. And it's true. And don't, please don't misunderstand me. D- the WWE and wrestling companies in general have screwed over fans a million times over. It's the nature of the beast. The whole point of the business is to scam you enough. To get you to keep coming back because I'm telling you what I want to tell you make you so upset or so happy that you come back even when you don't want to that's the nature of the business wrestling comes from from the carnivals that's why they call it a carny business so with that being said you have to look at Romans main eventing this card and you're thinking of CM Punk, and you're thinking of draws. Allegiant Stadium, I believe they sold forty thousand plus seats to the stadium. Now, in the nature of wrestling, CM Punk is huge. In the nature of entertainment, CM Punk is nowhere near The Rock or Johnson. I don't even think I need to, to. I don't even think I need to explain that. Let's. Strictly talk about in the wrestling sphere. Since CM Punk is the IWC's guy, because he was counterculture, he was different, he came from the indies, he was built and bred by us, he was one of us, he's not uh, uh, a college football or basketball star, he's not a bodybuilder, or he wasn't the guy chosen from day one by Vince to be pushed, and he's a little awkward, he doesn't look have the best look in terms of like he's not ripped like a Greek god like Cena or some of these Roman or some of these other guys is and he's got an attitude and he says what he wants and and he doesn't just he sticks up for himself and doesn't do whatever somebody tells him to do he's everything that y'all believed Stone Cold was because Stone Cold was the most company man in the world everything y'all thought or wanted Stone Cold to be CM Punk actually is CM Punk literally walked off of his job because he didn't like what was going on. Which is admirable in a lot of ways. Well CM Punk is the IWC's guy. He can do no wrong. Even when he has gone out of his way the majority of his time away from wrestling to say how much he hates it. To say how much, to, to, to distance himself from it. And not in a rocky, I gotta do this to get to get bigger roles way. But in the sense of, yeah man I really hate this business kind of way. Fans still flock to him. CM Punk has become an idea. CM Punk has kind of gone away, kind of elevated so much more for more than a wrestler because of the legacy he left by leaving and become this idea that the underutilized wrestler, the 5'10 guy, the guy that doesn't have the best physique, the guy that comes from the indies and doesn't fit the cookie cutter mold that people believe Vince wants. The counterculture guy. He's the guy that IWC people look up to. CM Punk has become that idea for the IWC. That's why people scream, "We want Punk" or "CM Punk," because they're when they say that they're not literally asking for the guy. Some people are, but they're asking for WWE or for any company. It really only happens in WWE to be to be fair. But they're asking for WWE to give them. What they want. And what they want is what CM Punk embodied. Or what he said he fought for. And in many ways he did. Now. That's why that's why IWC fans and diehard fans love CM Punk. On top of the fact that he was fantastic. One of the best promos of the generation. A really really good wrestler. Great moments. One of the most memorable wrestlers of, of this generation easily. One of the top stars. the Probably the undisputed number two guy of the post Ruthless Aggression generation. I, I, I don't think there's any question. He was the undisputed number two guy right behind John Cena. Brian in a distant third because his run came a little after Punk's run had already kind of subsided. And then you lead into the Shield era and then so on and so forth. So look at the rise of Punk And look at what Punk went through, multiple-time world champion, won every belt there is to win, championship title, whatever you want to call it, had some of the greatest moments in the history of professional wrestling, the pipe bomb, the match against Taker, Uh, people don't talk about it enough, but the match against Jericho, you know, he's had a lot of great moments, a lot of great matches, led multiple factions, and so on and so forth. Was, did he, did he reach the potential he could have reached? Absolutely not. I think anybody would agree with that. But a lot of fans take that fact and turn it into, well, he was held back or he was underutilized. (laughs) They're not the same thing. Held back and underutilized is not the same thing as he could, he didn't reach his potential because I think it's really hard to say someone's underutilized when you had a 434-day championship reign or whatever it was. I don't care if you main evented the shows or not. You held the championship that long and you faced all the top guys. If they were having you face people like Zack Ryder, you know what I mean? Or May Car people? Yeah, okay, maybe. You were facing all the top guys. You were facing Kane. You were facing Daniel Bryan. You were facing John Cena. You were facing, crazy to say at this time... But given where he was at the moment, you were facing right back. You were facing the top guys. Okay. So Roman said that Punk wasn't as over or didn't move the needle as Cena or The Rock. And in wrestling speak, in wrestling speak, understand that. Let's go with John Cena first and foremost. I understand that John has a very controversial legacy. And I, what I mean by that is that John held the company down for so long, but was so audibly turned against by so many male fans. Women and children loved them, the men hated them. I mean to the point where like um I was listening to the podcast and I'm going to reference later on with actually Ariel Wiley again with Freddie Prince Jr. And he brought up, he was booed at the Hall of Fame when he was introducing a guy to come out for the Hall of Fame. Like, that's how bad it was. But I understand. John Cena, with the exception of maybe, maybe Hogan. And I say probably Hogan because there is no business about Hogan as much as I hate the guy. But even, even, you can even talk about Austin and the Rock because people look at them as the biggest draws in, in the business. But Cena... Cena over, he, he goes over them. Cena's, um, main event and was the, um, catalyst, I say, because he was the guy who was him. He was in the main, uh, match, the main marquee draw of the biggest WrestleManias of all time. Manias, plural. Not just in terms of. In, in in terms of in terms of buy rates and yeah i know he didn't sell out uh he didn't he didn't do the um stadium in dallas but pay-per-view wise one of the biggest draws in the history of wrestling stayed on top of the business whether you liked it or not longer than any top guy in the history of wrestling we're talking from 2002 2003 4 In fact, 2005, 2005 is when, I believe, when WrestleMania 31 was. was. From 2005 until he just stopped being full-time three years ago. 13 plus years? Nobody's ever done that. The Rock's entire career wasn't that long. So, and this is just on top. I'm talking the three years before when he was trying to Get over, or he was doing the rapper gimmick, or he was ruthless aggression scene and whatnot. So, and The Rock, my God, The, the Rock essentially changed the business. Like I, I, I don't understand why that's controversial for Roman to say that they didn't move in, that Punk didn't move the needle as much as those guys. And this isn't a point of preference. This is a point of tangible fact. Look at the numbers. That we're done with these guys. Look at the quotes. Look at the number of people that are wrestling fans because of The Rock. Or because of John Cena. So, and that's not a, people take that as a slight. It's not a slight to Punk. But, it's interesting to see the rhetoric now. Because, you know, everything has to be us versus them. And Punk is a, is probably one of the most divisive wrestlers of all time. And he does a lot of that on purpose, if we're honest with with, with ourselves. But it's interesting that a lot of people are taking umbrage of Roman. And there's a lot of history between Roman and Punk. You got to remember, the reason, the biggest part of the reason why Roman Reigns was looked at so negatively for the majority of his run is, and call me, you can say I'm wrong, I don't care. Is solely because Punk did that podcast where he said make Roman strong, look strong. Now it's undeniable from day one that they knew Roman was gonna be the guy. But they took a slow burn, took a slow boogie with it. I was there. I watched from the time they debuted until the time he uh broke he broke out because of the uh the shield broke up, Rollins turned on him. Yeah, he had the big moments. Yeah, he had the big spots. But who carried the matches? Rollins and Ambrose. Moxley. But they knew what they were doing. They were building him up slowly but surely because they knew he was going to be huge. And this <laughs> it's crazy how you know people act like facts didn't happen or like things didn't happen. Roman was the most over guy in the company. People were screaming his name. People were begging for him. Don't don't tell me that the only reason people begged for Roman, uh, or scrum screamed for Roman at the, at the Royal after Rumble when Batista won was only because Brian wasn't in it. They wanted Roman to win regardless. Did they want Brian to win too? Absolutely. But they were fully behind Roman. It wasn't until Roman got hurt with the hernia and while he's out, Punk tells the world that He's, he's going to be the guy regardless. And, you know, we hate when it's Vince's guy. We hate when Vince chooses a guy and completely has full speed ahead on the one guy. Tunnel vision, put the blinders on, we've got to do this regardless. So now we're going to turn on the guy. We're going to turn on the guy we begged for. The guy we begged him to push. The guy that, quite frankly, only got pushed ahead of everybody else because he got the reactions that they wanted him to get. Had y'all been screaming for Moxley, a.k.a. Ambrose, the way y'all were screaming for Roman, he would have been the guy. Because he was pushed initially as the guy on the shield. But. So it's interesting, the dichotomy of that, to know that Roman now is saying what he's saying and people are trying to connect it to like Roman has a grudge. Well, if he does have a grudge, who gives a shit? But facts are facts and right is right. Real is real. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's always interesting to me to see people's responses to things. And, you know, it feels like the world has gotten that much crazier just in the past week or two. We've so believed and come to the conclusion that punk is coming. <laughs> the world has started to lose his mind. And makes sense. That's That's the way things are, right? Uh, but I have no, um, I take no umbrage with what Roman said. He's right. He should have said it. And he answered a question he was asked. How do you be mad at him for that? Y'all not mad at the things Punk said when he was asked about when he was asked? And even Punk, Punk he's been asked about it. Says Roman's the best thing going in in wrestling. I mean, he's he's what you call him, the voice of the voiceless. The voice of the voices is telling y'all what's real. Y'all still don't believe it. Well, so we're going to take a break. uh, And I want to reference something that was in that Freddie Prince podcast. So we'll be back in a minute. But uh, while we take this break and pay these bills, I want to remind you to go to slash the chair shot. Buy some shirts. Get some of that good merch, especially for SummerSlam weekend. Get it ready. So many things we got going. Uh, got the original Corona shirt, not the virus, but the, the the beer. We got the Chair Shop Brewing Company. Jesus did the job. Uh, Baron Corbin sucks. Hashtag journalism. Go get some stuff, man. It helps us do what we do here. We'll be right back.
0: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. 99 per month get your free trial today at powerslam.tv go to powerslam.tv promo code chair shot, get your free month again that's powerslam.tv promo code chair shot
2: the chair always use your head so i mentioned to you guys the uh new podcast collaboration Deal that WWE has inked with The Ringer and Spotify to put their two existing podcasts that they have, the uh, the New Day, Feel the Power with, of course, Xavier Woods, Biggie, and Kofi Kingston, and After the Bell with Corey Graves and Vic Joseph, both two fantastic shows. Uh, but they have added that uh, to now The Ringer to the Ringer Wrestling feed which is on Spotify, and WWE has partnered with them to have so many different shows. Evan Mack from uh, The Bump gets a show, Mackamania. Ariel Helwani's show does that now. The Masked Man is now the ring of wrestling show. Uh, Masked Man, and shout out to the homie Cass. Uh, and so the very first show with this, deal, this new deal was uh, Ariel Helwani doing a SummerSlam preview with Natty, Natalia Neidhart and uh freddie prince jr now if you guys don't know freddie prince jr is pretty famous actor guy and she's all that scooby doo a lot of other shows and of course his dad was a legend but he's also was formerly a writer for the company and a producer at two different uh times in the company he's probably one of the most insightful writers we've seen in a while because he's not just a guy who comes with experience with a pen? He's an actual successful leading movie star actor who loves wrestling enough to want to try wrestling, uh, writing for wrestling, uh, and bring some of the the talents he learned in his field to the wrestling field because essentially wrestling is entertainment. Uh, wrestling is entertainment a lot more than it is sport in some in some senses, right? Storylines, characters scripts and whatnot and um he's got a lot of great stories um was responsible for a lot of things um was responsible for uh the promo class which is something that they didn't do before he got there this would just make them do promos but he actually taught a promo class of how to how to do a promo um kind of almost not dissimilar from acting classes but um I love to hear his insight into wrestling because he really has kind of a nuanced perspective. He has an informed perspective. He ha, still has contacts with the company. So I'm sure he, he knows things that we may not know as fans from an internal standpoint, but he's also a big-ass fan. And he spoke at about a bunch of things. They broke down the card and he really got into some specifics with some of the wrestlers but there's one particular thing he talked about that i thought was interesting to note that i want to talk about with you guys and that was bray wyatt bray wyatt came up a, a, a multitude of times in that portion of the podcast interview and uh, Ariel harry spoke about it and said that you know i just started back watching wrestling uh because my kids watch it and you know i pay attention to it but i'm Becoming a bigger fan through my kids because I see things from their perspective, not from the grown man, jaded wrestling fan, IWC spoiler perspective. And he said that he, had, he he knew Bray Wyatt, of course, I'm sure he had seen him from back in the day at some point one or the other. But he didn't really know much about Bray Wyatt, but he saw the Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania 36 between him and John Cena. And he said he was mesmerized. And most of us were. We had never seen anything like that. It's art, right? It's not wrestling. It transcended what we knew wrestling to be. And I'm sure it's divisive to a lot of people, whatever. That's fine. It's your right. But um, he asked him about it and asked, you know, like, what what he asked Freddie, what did you think happened? And I am going to read the transcript of what he said. Prince says and I quote I can't tell you everything I know I know Bray I wouldn't say we're friends we're acquaintances but I still have friends at the company like I said earlier if you're willing to work a specific way even if you have a bad match in the eyes of the top two dudes at the company it's a good match because you're doing business their way if you're wanting to step out of that lane and widen your river Or just show that there's some other streams. Even if you have a great match. It's just a good match. And when you stick to your guns time and time again. They're going to stick to theirs. Look. Vince is a product of the 80's. It's Reaganomics. When there's problems he throws money at it. It's an old school way of thinking. It sometimes works. It sometimes doesn't. But there are men that will double down. Him and Kevin. Speaking about Kevin Dunn. The guy over the television production side for better or worse they will always double down I don't think Bray had a good enough hand to play poker with him in that game that's why he lost the first time in a weird way in Abu Dhabi and that's why things kind of went south from there his segments weren't suffering his performance wasn't suffering I just think if you're not willing to play ball they let you know hey you're not trying to play ball We're not going to help you out. We gave you this platform, and you're not using it the way we want you to use it. And it's business. You can understand that. Let's talk about that for a second, guys. Uh, It's definitely not something a fan of Bray Wyatt wants to hear, or even a fan of WWE or wrestling. You know, we want our wrestlers to be who we want them to be. That is completely understandable. It is kind of the nature of the beast, right? The word fan is short for fanatic. So, of course, if we see something we like, we want them to be able to be that the way we want them to be. And WWE is notorious for literally controlling every aspect of the overwhelming majority of their characters. To the point where a lot of fans feel that they are hamstrung or hurt by it. And quite frankly, a lot of them are. These are things that are facts, tangible facts, right? The Bray Wyatt situation is kind of interesting to me because and a lot of people have kind of said it in jest, but I think it's real. Bray Wyatt, 100%, was too creative for the creative in WWE. Think think about it. Let me, let me break it down. Think about it. The majority of every storyline, of every character, every gimmick in the WWE, Even those who don't have a gimmick, quote-unquote, have a character trait, right? Even if the character trait is I'm a good wrestler, there's some character trait that they can hone in on. Every single one of them, the overwhelming majority, were built by the WWE. Even if you had that gimmick before you came to the WWE, the WWE took an aspect of it, flipped it for them, and made it theirs. That's the reason why they work. 'Cause they do that better than anybody else. Bray Wyatt's one of the very few people I can, a handful of people maybe, who made his own gimmick, separate from the WWE. One of the few people, handful of people, who created his own lane. The Wyatt family stuff, that was all Bray. They didn't write for, they didn't write those promos for Bray. He wrote those promos. They didn't come up with a whole bunch of the aspects of the character. He came up with a bunch of aspects of the character. Now, of course, everything is Vince-ized. Everything is WWE-ized. But I think he garnered such a following and a respect for how creative the gimmick was in NXT. And earned some levity with Vince, as a lot of wrestlers do. I look at the New Day, look at Roman now, look at Becky Lynch, and so on and so forth. That he, this is pretty much all him, especially the Fiend. You can, I can see points where you can say the Wyatt family became vince sized over time. Absolutely, I can see you saying that after the family left and uh, he was just the eater of worlds and he did the stint with Matt Hardy. That was WWE eyes. Completely get that, 100%. Everything about the Fiend was all Bray Wyatt. Firefly Funhouse, ain't nobody in the WWE that creative. Keeping up being honest, nobody, none of them are that creative. So I can see there being some pushback or heads bumping with Vince wanting Bray to do this and Bray saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way because this is what my character would do. I came up with it. You don't know it. Freddie talked about in his, uh, in the, in his interview in the podcast about how, we all know that these are essentially toys in in Vince's toy box, right? That's basically what the WWE is. One dude playing with his toys, but just people happen to see it. But he talked about how he knows exactly every aspect of what he wants his characters to be to the point where Freddie Prince wrote a character, Freddie wrote a a line for Kane where he said, uh, where Kane would say something to the order of, I'll obliterate him. And Vince told him he wouldn't say obliterate. Kane would say this. Like he's that dialed into the characters he makes. That's what's made him successful this far. Is that attention to detail. Um, so I can see the disconnect between him and Bray. With him not creating that. With him not understanding that. With creative not getting that. And Bray eventually getting to the point where. Yeah Bray I'm not doing it. And right, wrong, or indifferent, man, I get it. And Bray got called up, to, got called to the main roster in late 2013, early 2014. We're here 2021. That's a long time, with a lot of proof, a lot of tangible facts that shows that he sells great merch, his segments do numbers. He's been given trust by the company in the segments he's been given and the people he's worked with and the main events he's been put in. Like he had equity so I can understand him saying, "Nah, man, you know, give me the same respect you give such and such. And think about it. I understand Becky came up to name of the man, but all that gimmick was WWE. I understand John Cena, uh, Came up with the raps when he was the rapper and all that. But that gimmick was all WWE until it just got to the point where John just started being John. I understand that Roman's the head of the table and he came up with the nickname and he may came up with the thought process behind the idea. But that's a WWE creation. Because look at all the other stuff beforehand that led to the reason why he could be the head of the table. That's just the way the business works. So I get it. And I, it's it's very... Sobering thought process Because you know I'm big on understanding Whether I like it or not I need to understand Um, But it's also very harrowing Because um, I think John Moxley was a very good example of And more recently Aleister Black A.K.A. Malachi Black uh, In that a lot of the Super creative types May not work On the main roster because Vince has his idea of what he wants. And Vince is always going to win because Vince cuts the checks. And and look, me with you, this isn't me caping for Vince. This isn't me being a shield for the WWE. I say this for any company. You can listen to this week's head trauma with me and Mags talking about AAA. Every company, every wrestling company, the person who books the show should make that decision should have the right to pick and choose what happens because ultimately they're in charge they cut the checks when the business goes bad we're not gonna say oh man well you know it's bray wyatt's fault no it's vince's fault because he's in charge tony khan's fault because he owns the company it's goddia moore's fault or it's whoever's over ring of honor it's been everywhere everyone now these days but all these people's fault because they're the ones in charge so ultimately they got to do what they think is best for the business and you hate this argument. I know so many of you do, but financially they are at the strongest they've ever been by a large margin. So something is working. I know this is hard for people to kind of comprehend. And I'm not trying to be facetious or attack people's intelligence or say anything negative about people, but I get it's hard to comprehend because so many people are taught to think that critical acclaim. Should equal success. But it doesn't. Not all the time. So, Because you think something is good. Doesn't mean that it's going to be successful. And just because you think something is bad. Doesn't mean that it's going to fail. And more importantly. Just because you think something is bad. Doesn't mean that everybody thinks something is bad. I've given you proof of that. I've given you proof. So many people want to cite how. The ratings have dwindled. Compared to two, three, five, seven, ten years ago, that's factual, and that is there is a there is a level of concern that has to be met with the ratings and what they've turned to. Completely agree, but I'm not even going to go into ratings because Nielsen even came out and said that they've been deaccred they've been discredited or whatever the word is that their accred- their accreditation is gone, <laughs> so they essentially don't mean anything. And all of the major television networks don't even include them or give them credence, but that's cool. Y'all believe what y'all want to believe in the right situation, but let's look at facts. The, the WWE has one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world, like something like 90, 80, 90 billion million followers or something to, or, or subscribers to the, something like something crazy like that. Segments that happen on Raw or SmackDown or NXT or NXT UK. Well, maybe not NXT UK, but segments of those often get millions of views in hours. And they have hundreds of millions of followers on Instagram. Hundreds of millions of followers on Twitter. Hundreds of millions of followers on Facebook. Tens of millions of followers on TikTok. On Snapchat. On all of these different ways to consume the product. See, we don't, consuming the product doesn't mean sitting at your computer, or I mean not the computer, sitting at your TV and watching every minute anymore. We know too much, the world's too big, the world's too fast. I can connect with you in Australia in a split second, or connect with you in Sweden in a split second, or Japan, or Moscow, or Antarctica, if you live down there on one of the bases. Over a split second, so I don't need to watch the product to know what's happening or to consume it. I can watch YouTube and see the segments that come up 30 minutes after they happen. Sometimes, sometimes a little longer than that, but at least 30 minutes after they happen, I can get an illegal stream of it, which I don't suggest. Pay for what you. Support what you want, support what you enjoy. But if that's if that's your fancy, there's tons of legal streams out there you can watch. If I don't have cable streaming service, I can catch it on Hulu. If I if I care enough to wait, I can catch it on the network three four weeks afterwards. If I don't even want to do that, if I don't care about it and just want to see what happened, I could read the results on every single website possible. Even ESPN does the the results of shows now. So consuming the product doesn't mean i got to sit my ass on my bed or on my couch and watch it on this channel when this comes out. So let's expand our thinking. You know what I mean? So uh, to get back to the original point, man, I want to show some love to Bray because uh, he's going to be a huge asset wherever he signs or whatever he chooses to do. Even if he never chooses to wrestle again, if he just wants to go into um Films or TV or writing or whatever he chooses to do, man, he's gonna be super successful because the kid, number one, he's got wrestling in his blood. His name is Wyndham Rotunda. (laughs) Think about that. So, uh, he's gonna be fine. Uh, but it is the insight, it is valuable insight into the thought processes behind people like Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn and why certain characters don't work. You know, you look at a guy like Seth Rollins who completely, pardon the pun, bought in. You know, he was thought to be rambunctious in NXT, but he bought into the system and gained equity and is one of the biggest stars in the company. More than often, that's what it takes to work in WWE. If you can handle that, cool. If you can't, don't. But WWE never lied about about who they are. Just like AEW doesn't lie about who they are. Just like Impact hasn't lied about or Ring of Honor or New Japan or any of these companies. They don't lie about who they are. You know, they may lie about a lot of things, but there's so much history to show who these people are and how they work and how they operate. And if you don't think you could do it, man, don't sign there. So many places to work. Um, Just wanted to break that down to you, but we're going to get to the SummerSlam preview. I'm excited about the card, it's a crazy card, and I uh, may even give you some takeover thoughts. So before we get to that, we're going to take one more break here, pay some more bills, come back and uh, hit you with this SummerSlam and NFC TakeOver breakdown. See y'all in just a bit. Alright y'all, I appreciate y'all rocking with me. I appreciate y'all getting me through this episode. I hope you enjoy it. If you like it, holler at your boy. Uh, hit me up at It's Ray Cash on Twitter. That's re Wise and Mysterio. C-A-S-H as in dollars. Of course, you can holler at the the boys. Uh, Carl at Outsider Curvin, Kyle at Dr. S'mores. The show's at Outsider's Edge CS. And of course, you know, we were part of the Cheshire Radio Network. You can find us at Cheshire Media. I appreciate so much of the the love and the listens and just it means more to me than you'll ever know. And uh, especially for this show, this is me by myself. You know, I've done a couple of short form pods, but I've never done one, a full one like this. So this is new for me and for y'all. So let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. Tell me how I did. If I suck, tell me I suck. I don't care. Uh, But I appreciate it. I appreciate y'all rocking with your boy. Click and listen, click and download, like and subscribe on whatever you do. Because every day we got multiple pods for you. People are out here working and killing it and doing their best slaving over this podcast to give you the best quality possible. I appreciate them. I hope you appreciate them, we appreciate y'all. So, let's get to the SummerSlam, uh, let's call it the SummerSlam breakdown, shall we? So, um, I normally start from the bottom of the card to the top and uh, do non-title matches first before I get to championship matches. So, let's start at the bottom. Now, mind you, this is a SummerSlam breakdown. Gonna give you my predictions, but of course I want to talk about the matches just a little bit. Uh now this match I don't really care to talk about very much because I'm not into the story. Uh although I think this match will surprise some people. But this is Alexa Bliss, of course, with her creepy ass doll Lily against Eve Marie and Dewdrop. Now, the story between Eve and Dewdrop can be and eventually hopefully will be very big, especially for Piper. Um, and Eva is a master of heat. The main thing is, can she work? Now, this is a great spot for her. And while this version of Alexa ain't working for me, you got to give her credit for going 100% balls to the wall with the character and making the best she can of it. My concern is Eva was never, you know, you're a ring general to begin with. Um, and I have no doubt that she's much better than we expect her to be. I'm not expecting to be Dean Malenko. But I mean, like, she's... There's there's no way she can still be as bad as she was. I, I'm, I'd be shocked. My only concern is I would have liked to have seen her first big singles match be with somebody who could kind of lead her a little better. And Alexa is not a ring general either. Alexa's good in the ring, but she's not experienced in the way that you would expect somebody like a natty or Charlotte to kind of lead. Nonetheless, they've earned the right for this match. Um, I think that Alexa wins because the money isn't evil losing. (laughs) Like the money is in evil continuing to lose. And, uh, because, you know, the crowd hates her so much, but the story is between her and Dewdrop not between her and Alexa. So Piper, aka dewdrop tries to interfere because even once or two, some form or fashion, Alexa gets over in, in the over in a situation and gets the win. Uh, so Alexa Bliss I have winning. Um, the next match I have is Drew McIntyre versus his old three man band member, three man bandmate, the modern Maharaja Mr. Gendermer Hall. Important to note that Veer and Shanky are banned from ringside, which clearly means they'll show up sometime in this match, wrestling one on one. But uh, you know, your boy Drew out here trying to commit homicide or assault by stabbing dudes with <laughs> with the sword named after his mama. Boy is wild. Um, conventional wisdom tells me Gender would win this match, right? Conventional wisdom tells you that. Because gender's the heel, gender's clearly on an upturn, uh, they're trying to raise, him, raise his value back up a little bit. He's got the heaters with him. But I cannot see, in any world or form or fashion, with what Drew did during the pandemic era, how he led the company. Through everybody leaving, through people being sick, through people being released, he led the company and held the company together from from the top. And never got his moment in front of fans. And the first moment in front of fans at WrestleMania, he loses. The next moment in front of fans he has is uh, at uh, Money in the Bank. And he loses. I can't see that man losing again for what he means to the company and what he's done for the company and what he's gone through. Drew got to get a big win in front of fans eventually. And this is that big win Drew gets the win over over gender in front of forty plus thousand people, and gets the big pop. And hopefully, they'll you know it's it's raw, so it's the land of fifty fifty booking and rematches. So I'm sure they'll wrestle again later on. But at least Drew gets the win here. Um, let's move on to the dream match, y'all. Not a lot of dream matches left in wrestling. What I mean by dream matches, I don't mean oh man, it'd be cool if. I mean literal dream matches in the sense of A guy from the past and a guy of the present who match. If you think about it, Edge is one of the most defined characters in wrestling history. The Rated R Superstar means something. When you think of what Edge has done, not just Face Edge or Brood Edge or, um, you know, um, TLC Edge, but like the entirety of his character arc. You know it, you understand it, you feel it. It is undeniable. Ain't Seth Rollins just 20 the 2010's edge? And that's kind of where the story's turned. Think about it. Both came in with groups. Brood, or the Ministry if you want to call it that, and the Shield and the Authority. Both broke out on their own. Edge won Edge broke away from uh Edge and Christian because he won the King of the Ring. Seth Robbins won Money in the Bank and of course broke up the shield because he bought in. He didn't sell out. Both had both got ascended to the main event based on the money in the bank. News Revolution with John Cena. WrestleMania, Heights of the Century with Roman and Brock. And both, I'm not even going to go to the Rumble situations because, you know, Edge is 1 2, Seth is 1 1, but they've had, they've mimicked each other so much. Edge is the ultimate ultimate opportunist, Seth Rollins is the architect. They're, they're so similar in character, and they're both were probably two of the most innovative guys on the roster at their time. People don't do the moves that Seth Rollins does, people don't do the moves, people weren't doing the moves that Edge does. So to see them finally match up, and then with the history they have, Seth trying to break his neck and kill the guy, um, and so on and so forth, I just think it's gonna be a fantastic match. It's probably gonna be, with the exception of the the three main events we have, that's gonna be the match you remember the most. I think, uh, gonna be the it's gonna steal the show, as the the old adage goes. Um, I think the top of the card is gonna be heel heavy, so I think you get your big face wins, in your mid card, withdrew, and I think Edge defeats Seth Rollins. Seth Seth can take the loss. Um you know, Edge hasn't really had a lot of wins recently. He's put over he's really been putting over people. Uh I mean he got smashed stacked, in then. So I mean, you know, is what it is. So Edge wins. Let's get to the main let's get to the title matches and of course you got the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Between Ray and his adopted son, Dominic, <laughs> that that joke will never die. Against the best tag team in the world, I said it. I know no diss to the Bucks because the Bucks are fantastic. No diss to FTR because FTR, FTR is fantastic. No diss, I, I know we don't mention these guys on this show, but no diss to the Briscoes. No diss to any other tag team in the world, but for my money, the Usos are the best tag team in the world, especially now that they're back together. Um, and, you know, I don't think Dominic's going to turn on his dad. Not now. I mean, eventually he's going to, right? Every son rebels against their father. But there's clearly something going on between the two. Dominic getting a bit of a big head. He kind of thinks he knows more than his dad. And his dad's a three-time world champion and a Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. He ain't made it there yet. But his first battle the second. He decides to quit. Usos gonna win here. The bloodline retains. The bloodline keeps going because there are bigger and better things coming. If you smell what I'm cooking, like like that foreshadowing, like the journalism there. Usos retained. This one is gonna be a bit hard for me to kind of break down. The WWE Raw Tag Team Championship. You got RK Bro. Finally, Randy embraced the kid. Gave Riddle the hug gave him the validation he wants they're bros now again but they they have to face a pretty pretty dominant tag team and the team and the tag team champions of almost and the phenomenal aj styles aj and almost have just surprised i mean aj is one of the best in the world right we know aj aj can wrestle a broomstick AJ's one of the most trustworthy guys on the roster, but nobody expected that my boy Almost would be this good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's Taker or Big Show or Kane, but my dude just gets this. A lot of the nuance, it will come further with him understanding the sport and the business, but he just gets it. He hits his marks and his moments better than almost anybody on the roster he has a presence about him. He to be 7 foot 75 or however tall he is, camera placement. He gets it perfectly. So, uh AJ and almost have just completely shocked and are a an asset and one of the must-watch things on a show that not a lot of must-watch th- must-watch things are on. We've been building this match for a while. Now, last Monday, not this mon- not the Monday of this week, but last Monday, Randy RK, Old, Riddle. This Monday, Riddle stuck up for him and had his back and he embraced him. We know Randy's a snake. It's literally his nickname, the Viper. There's two things that could happen here. And I, I don't mean win or lose. I mean from a story standpoint. And that's Randy could turn on him now. Or Randy could turn on them later. But sooner or later, the Vipers got a strike, right? I think Randy turns on them here. I know the, the easy money is on RK Bro winning. If you think about it, they haven't even hit the polls yet. I mean, that was kind of the big thing when they would win matches before Randy went on his little break. Riddle hit his pose and wait for Randy to hit his pose over him. Like, that's supposed to be the big moment that they made it, right? I don't think we get it. I think Riddle does something stupid, which Riddle is one to do. Randy can't take it. RKO's my boy. Let's AJ and almost pick the bones. Slithers out and lets him have it. And we finally get the Randy Orton Riddle story that we were going to get anyway. But I know Riddle comes with a lot of baggage, right? I understand he comes with a lot of it. But man just just taking real life out of it and just sticking under the pretenses of business. He is the breakout star of 2021. <laughs> he has gotten so over. His segments have gotten so enjoyable and entertaining. Like, he, he is the breakout star of the year. So... Randy and Riddle feuding and Randy putting over Riddle and and ascending him to a higher level. I mean, Riddle could be a guy that eventually faces Bobby, right? They fought before. So, maybe. But uh, AJ and Almost retain. I'm not going to have all uh, champions retain because in our next match on the card, I have the United States Championship. Sheamus defending against... My boy, the archer of infamy, Damian Priest, and I am calling a title change. I'm pretty sure everybody's calling a title change here. Damian Priest is primed and ready to be moved up and ascend and get a little more shine on the roster and hopefully get the hell away from The Miz and John Morrison. Um, And, man, Sheamus is a consummate pro, a pro's pro, a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame dude, too, by the way. And just doesn't get his just due. Because the, he does everything the company asks for. Doesn't complain. Uh, works hurt. Works stiff. Works five times a night if you ask him to do. And un, it's, it's, no, it's no slight of his. But he's always going to be remembered as the champion. He's going to be remembered better as a champion who puts over the next challenger. Than he will be as a dominant champion. And you know what? That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Because... Um, I don't think we can rem- we remember a lot of his championship reigns fondly with him defending them. But remember a lot of his championship reigns fondly when he lost them. And this is going to be one of those moments when he loses to Damian. And Damian deserves it, man. Hopefully have a really good match. Um, Damian hit the hell out of that bro kick on Monday. And I know that's not his thing, even though he is a kickboxer. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they go and what they do and they're going to kill it and Damien gets the love he deserves um let's move on to our Raw Women's Championship Nikki A.S.H. let's have a talk about her shall we I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on a person who created a gimmick worked her ass off to get it over to get it approved to work in concert with creative to get the equity with her hard work to get the company to believe in her and uh get it put it to fruition i'm not gonna hit on that now i say all the time i'm mature enough in my fandom to understand that everything that's on that screen is not for me Nikki A.S.H. is not for me. It is cringeworthy to me. And, you know, the people to compare to The Hurricane because they're both superhero parodies. But the difference is The Hurricane was a joke. Now, I don't mean he was a joke as a wrestler because he was successful and he, uh, you know, he had big moments, won multiple championships. But what I mean is The Hurricane, as a gimmick, was Gregory Helms, who was a character on screen who believed he was this real-life superhero. Nikki tells you up front, I know I'm not a superhero. I'm just, this is how I manifest my belief in myself. So it's too real for me in the sense that there is no levity to it. It just comes off as childish. And it's for the kids. Wrestling is the kid's business, if we're honest. It's always been for kids. With the exception of, like, six years. (laughs) It's always been particularly for kids. Um, so I don't want to hate on her. But I don't think in this iteration, she belongs in the in, with this gimmick in the championship picture. Um, and that that's, that means nothing about Nikki the wrestler or Nikki the person. Because Nikki the wrestler and Nikki the person deserve this spot. And I nobody deserves anything in wrestling, but I mean, like... <laughs> She's fantastic. I just don't, I can't get down with the gimmick. It And, you know, the, the first time I think I saw it and I thought, well, you know, what, man, this is working, was the match against Charlotte, when Charlotte just beat her ass, and she had to use that inner belief in herself to kind of gain the gumption to beat Charlotte. But she just gets beat every week. And to be honest, that should be what she does because the gimmick is belief in myself. Well, how can you believe in yourself if you don't have a reason to? You ain't got a reason to keep believing in yourself if you win it. You got to keep believing in yourself because you're losing and everything tells you not to. And that's what the story can and should be. And that's why I think she loses versus Charlotte versus Rhea. The question is who wins? So with both of the women's championship matches, the question is, what is next? Now, we'll talk about Sasha and Bianca in a second. But for this match, we've seen enough. We've seen all three of these individually. We haven't really seen Nikki versus Rio in terms of like a real story behind it. They've had some uh, one-off matches. I think they've had like two or three singles matches, which. Is tame for WWE nowadays. But it's really about what's next. Um, and, you know, Asuka's taking a break, which is very well deserved and needs some time off because I don't want to say she got stale, but she got repetitive. I don't really know unless Becky, I think Becky may not, I think Becky may go to SmackDown instead of Raw. So if Becky doesn't come back to Raw, I don't know what else can really heat that up with the exception of whatever Alexa do drop Piper and uh, Eva are doing one of them moves up. So, my I believe that uh, what makes the most sense to me is Rhea winning the match, Charlotte losing her shit because Rhea beats Nikki, and Charlotte taking it out on Nikki, and we get an extended Charlotte versus Nikki ASH feud. Um, and Charlotte. It's fantastic at putting people over. I know y'all don't believe that because she's won seventeen thousand championships, but she really is. When she really has to put somebody over and it's for the good of the story, Charlotte there's not there's not many better than Charlotte. And Nick can use that against the most successful woman in wrestling in wrestling history. That underdog nature of going against someone who's physically bigger than you, who is. Uh, from a wrestling standpoint, bigger than you, successful, more successful than you. Um, from a company standpoint, more trusted and pushed than you. She can use that to really tell a good story and build herself up further and maybe get back to the championship. And Rhea doesn't fit. So Rhea gets the championship and maybe fits with somebody else. We'll see. Who? I don't know. We'll surmise maybe next week. But uh, I have Rhea winning against Nikki A.S.H., Let's move to man. If if Cena, Roman, Goldberg, and Lashley weren't on this card, this would easily be the main event. Uh, we've waited April, so May, June, July, August. We waited four months for it since WrestleMania. Sasha disappeared for the better part of three plus months. The rematch. Bianca Belair defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against, the blueprint, the boss, Sasha Banks. And boy, Sasha has really kind of fell into this I'm better than you uh, character. I love this story so much better than the first story because the first story was about Bianca being a rookie. And, uh, you know, they were friends until Sasha started to take her seriously and started, okay, cool, whatever. This story makes sense. Bianca has been successful at everything she's done, and Sasha feels slighted because this Sasha was the Sasha's the baddest, the best, the blueprint, the boss, all the other B alliteration words, and feels that Bianca has is taking her shine, and is back to regain what's her. It's such a, it's such a much better story now with the existing match already there. Sasha talking about how the scar that Bianca's braid left on her chest, on her stomach, kept her out all this time. <laughs> we know it's not true. But, like, that's something a delusional heel would say. So great. And now that she, uh, she apparently has an entourage with her, she got Zelina Vega and Carmella. And I don't know if this is going to be a regular thing, but I'd like to see them as a group. They all match. They all work together. Um, So, I think Bianca wins. One, because I think Bianca has to win. She's in the midst of a, of a very big championship reign that is, like, talk about becoming mainstream. Bianca's becoming mainstream. Bianca's doing, you know, talk shows. And, you know, Bianca's on ESPN with Stephen A. Smith. Bianca's on the Kelly Clarkson show. Bianca's doing everything right now. So, she's killing it. Um, and no diss to Sasha, because Sasha does too, and Sasha did too. But Bianca's in the middle of a moment only question is what happens there are two women that are that I think we'll see in the midst of the next month or so involved with this feud because clearly Sasha's not gonna take a land down her loss however she loses, whether it's clean or by shenanigans first and foremost I think we see Naomi pop up to defend Bianca and help her fight off Sasha the, the boss tourage, as I'll, I'll claim them the boss tourage. how about that? We know Bianca and Naomi have a ton of affection for, you, for each other in and off-screen. And of course, WWE's eyes, both black, put them together, right? But more than that, their characters mesh. Um, You know, besides the fact that Naomi is all about, sees the glow and the dancing and whatnot... They both have an attitude that matches with each other. And Naomi has always stuck up for good. So if you're not going to turn her heel and do a, a bloodline esque connection, I think it'd be really, really good. Really, really good for Naomi to kind of stick up for and hang out and be with Bianca, which could lead to a possible championship match, right? Maybe Bianca could say, maybe Naomi could say, look, I, I helped you take care of this. I want a title shot. The other person I think that we actually see this Sunday, the Saturday rather, is the return of Becky Lynch. She's due, right? She's got to come back eventually. 40 plus thousand people, huge night, big weekend for wrestling. Everybody's paying attention. Everybody's watching. Brand new podcast uh, deal with Spotify. So many things happening in the world of, of professional wrestling. Perfect time for the biggest female star in history to pop up. I think it makes sense. Also, the one, you know, that was her original title, Becky's title, and we know Becky wants wants the chance to fight uh, Bianca. I know Becky's tired of Charlotte and Rhea and all these people. Um, She's probably better used or more needed on Raw, but I'd really like to see her on SmackDown. And you could run those three against each other and lead Becky could say something to the order like, uh, you know, me and Sasha got history, and I want that championship, but I want to beat you for it. So I'll help you take care of Sasha so that it's me and you, or something to the order of that. I don't know. I'm speculating here, but nonetheless, I think I'm, I think, and I'm pretty f- confident that Bianca wins. We're gonna speed past the WWE Championship match. Bobby Lashley beats Goldberg. Bing bang boom. I got no problem with Goldberg coming back. I think Goldberg still adds value to the company. I think Goldberg still adds value to the shows. I just think Goldberg needs to get the fuck away from the championship pictures. More feuds like Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, please. That's what I want. Give me that. Because he still has equity. He's still over. He still moves the needle, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's just you can't keep putting this old man who never shows up but twice a year. Walking in saying, I'm next. I want the title. You Can't do that. You can't do that. He hasn't earned it. And he hasn't done anything of relevance to possibly earn it for years. So, no. You can't do that. But I'm, I'm not against him being on the shows. Let's get to the real conversation here. My tribal chief. Your tribal chief. Our tribal chief. The head of the table. The real best in the world. Wink, wink. Uh, the reigns defending undisputed universal heavyweight champion, shout out to my boy, Special Counsel Paul Heyman, Mr. Roman Reigns is defending that championship against John Cena, who Michael Cole calls the greatest of all time. He's not, but he's in the conversation. Now, there there is no conversation about this match. There is no way John Cena wins. Not at all. (laughs) It'd be the biggest shock in title chain, it'd be the biggest title chain shock in wrestling history, in my opinion, if John Cena were to walk walk back into the WWE, knowing he's only going to be there for a month, month and a half, two months tops, fighting the biggest star in the business who finally ascended to the point where he is completely and unanimously Uh, Just over with everybody the way That he wants The way the fans want and the way the company wants In concert for the first time ever Right Given that They finally got out of the pandemic And they finally got back in front of fans And he beats them Yeah that would be the most shocking title change I've ever seen in my life Ain't happening Uh, The real conversation is Man What happens next I know Finn is next, and I'm looking forward to seeing Roman and Finn happen because it's going to happen. Some people have surmised that Cena may win, and Roman wins it back at Madison Square Garden. I'd be so against that. But uh, it's going to be a great match. Last time they had a match uh, at No Mercy all those years ago was really fun, and they laid it all out. I mean, like, put all all the stops. Uh, But very few wrestlers understand the moment and the art of letting the moment happen like roman and like john so i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing it and it's going to be a great show i have no doubt Um, i don't think there'll be very many surprises but when you don't think there are surprises when there are a ton of them so we'll see let's run through NXT takeover real quick uh... don't need to break down a whole lot of it uh... two out of three falls match between uh... adam cole and kyle o'reilly the Undisputed finale, first fall is pinfall submission. Second fall is gonna be a street fight, and third fall, if necessary, which will be necessary, clearly. Wrestling one on one is a steel cage. First and foremost, Colorado should be and probably is being is being fashioned to be the face of the company. And by face, I don't mean like the biggest star in the company. I mean like the top good guy. He did one of the most dumb good, good guy things I've ever seen in my life by making the first fall a pinfall submission stupid that's the type of stuff that makes people hate faces this is dumb Anyway, Kyle O'Reilly has to win because Adam Cole is gone regardless if he's going regardless if he's gone to Raw Smackdown or he's gone gone to Jacksonville so you gotta put over the guy that's staying and conventional wisdom and wrestling history says that you leave the territory on your back so Kyle wins. And, of course, it's going to take three falls. So, uh, just because Kyle wants the the pinfall submission fight, Kyle will win that. I mean, uh, Adam will win that. Kyle will win the second fall. Third fall in steel cage. they do some stupid stuff. And Kyle will win that. We have the Million Dollar Championship match between LA Knight, who's your champion, a.k.a. Eli Drake, and Cameron Grimes, who is, boy, talk about a breakout star. Uh... If he was put in higher positions, I'd I'd put him up there right next to Riddle. But he's, you know, the position he's put in, yeah. But, I mean, he is so good. The hook of this, if you guys aren't paying attention to NXT recently, is LA Knights beat this guy twice. He beat him in a ladder match for the championship the first time. Beat him in a rematch that if uh, Cameron lost, he'd be his butler. And Cameron's been his butler for two months almost. And now the million dollar man Ted DiBiase who is taking a liking and believes in Cameron has put his butlership on the line saying that if Cameron loses the third time, number one, they're done. And number two, Ted would be have to be LA Knight's butler. Cameron Graham's got to win. Number one, very rarely do you see one guy win three times in a feud in wrestling. Batista's the only guy I can remember doing that against Triple H. do not I don't, I don't remember seeing it. In any other capacity. If you remember any other ones, hit me up at it's Ray Cash. Remind me. Uh, so that doesn't happen often. But ain't no way NXT is gonna continue to pay Teddy B.S. to show up to the to the performance center, Capital Wrestling Center, and to be Elliot's butler. It's not happening. Cameron Grimes is so over and deserves a big moment, and they've built to it and built to it and built to it. Uh I think we see Cameron Grounds as the new million-dollar champion. It's going to be a very emotional moment. Because Cameron has worked his ass off to get to this point. He's so over. Um, And, yeah. Now, we go from emotion to brutality. Uh, The old adage, put the women and kids to bed, falls in order. And, of course, that's antiquated and misogynist as fuck. But this is going to be... Walter versus Ilya Dragunov, and I'm saying his name correctly because the match they're gonna have, my goodness. If you saw the first match they had on N- on NXT UK, it is one of the most brutal matches you'll ever see. I mean, and now Ilya is not as big as Walter. He's he's not close to her. Ilya's closer to the ilk of Pete Dunne, but Ilya is so he's so intense and uses his body so well, so much as a weapon. I mean, every part of his body is a weapon. And uh, he brings a level of brutality with his with his size uh, that a lot of people can't do or don't do, man. But the fact that we get to see this in America, on NXT, on, no, just NXT UK, because they're on the network too, but at a takeover, which is critically acclaimed and everybody knows you see moments of takeover only thing that bothers me is that I wish Mm -hmm. an actual arena was getting to see this and not just the performance center. Walter's held that title for almost two years now and I think this is the moment that Walter drops and Ilya Dragunov slays the beast uh, and finally takes the title off of Walter. And for no other reason than this: number one, what he went through the first match. Come on, man. But the second reason is, if Ilya doesn't do it now, who in the bloody hell is gonna beat this dude? Like he might as well retire the damn belt. <laughs> like, cause we're on we're on the verge of Bruno at this point. If Ilya doesn't win, <laughs> two years? It's ridiculous. And I'm not saying that it's not worth it. Walter is that good. That it's a worthy two-year title run, but at some point, man, like somebody's got somebody got to beat him. I think we get it. Your off. new NXT UK champion, you heard it here first. Um, women's championship, Raquel Gonzalez versus Dakota Kai. I'm conflicted because Dakota is so deserving of a championship reign, if for no other reason. Then thank you. Dakota and Candace need to get one NXT championship ring before they before they're done, just because of what they've meant to that company. And the other, and the uh, my other line of thinking is Raquel's really worked hard to get the championship over and to be, get over on her own, right? And contrary to a lot of fans' beliefs, because a lot of fans, even some friends of mine, think that. Uh, Triple H doesn't like certain women because he never gave them women's championship runs. The NXT Women's Championship, with the exception of that UK title because of Walter, I'm ignoring that for the second. I'm just thinking of the main, the main championships um, on the three brands. Is the, that's the women's the NXT Women's Championship is the most prestigious because while you can name there's like 25 or so NXT champions and we know how many champions have been in um, the Raw, SmackDown, Women's, and the WWE Universe. It's a ton of them, right? The Women's Championship is like really, 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 really prestigious. You go from Paige, she drops the title because she gets called up. Charlotte, Charlotte loses to Sasha, Sasha loses to Bailey, Bailey loses to Oscar, Oscar uh, never loses. But then she she uh. Gives up the title and loses, and then Ember wins it. Ember loses to Shayna. Shayna loses to Kyrie. Kyrie loses it back to Shayna. Shayna loses it to Rhea. Rhea loses it to Raquel. That's less than ten people. It is super, super prestigious. They don't book a lot of title reigns. And um, uh, I'm sorry. Um, Rhea loses it to EO and Eo loses it to Raquel Charlotte was in there too I don't count that Uh, but they don't book title reigns for title changes for that title very often Uh, then the only other thing that makes me question is man Vince could use Raquel on the main roster I'm gonna say that we see Raquel you know screw it Raquel loses to Dakota guy Dakota Kai shocks the world, becomes the champion. Uh, And then uh, Raquel goes on the rampage to get it back. Why not? Why not? We're going to a new world of NXT starting next week. I've talked about that in nauseum last week, and we'll get back to that next week on the edge. So why not? Dakota Kai, new NXT Women's Champion. woman deserves it. Speaking of new NXT Champions, you have the current NXT Champion, Karrion Cross. No Scarlet. Scarlet is out right now on whatever personal stuff she has to deal with. Versus the returning legend, the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe. Now, cool to note, Samoa Joe has mentioned that he's been cleared for a while. That is very good to hear. Because the same concerns I had about Daniel Bryan coming back. The same concerns I have about a lot of wrestlers who have had major injuries coming back, like the Dead Edge, Christian, and so on and so forth, I have about Joe. But I feel a little better knowing that the second Joe was cleared, he didn't jump in a ring. It's been a while. That makes me feel a little better. Even if it's not real, it makes me feel a little better. Is already Carrion Cross has already called up to the main roster. He's on rivalry right week. He's a Raw superstar, still wrestling in NXT. So he's gone. And the ass-kicking that he's been try- he's been waiting to get from Samoa Joe is massive. I think we're going to see a great match. I think we're going to see a fun match. I think Samoa Joe beats Karrion Cross, and then abdicates the championship because uh, Joe don't need the title. Joe don't want the title. Joe just wants to beat the hell out of Karrion Cross and send him away. Uh but nonetheless, Samoa Joe is your new NXT champion. William Regal is super happy. Uh, I'm looking forward to it though. It's going to be a great show. NXT takeover is always great. Um, and the re- the reasons and the reasons WWE moved SummerSlam to the main, to Saturday are real, right? I get it. It makes perfect sense. Uh us uh, uh to go to Vegas. Nobody really wants to go to Vegas on a, Nick Cunns explained this today on the podcast too. Uh, if you're going to Vegas for a weekend, you don't really want to go, you want to, You what you want to do is you want to do on a Saturday. It makes more sense to draw more people to that big of a stadium to Vegas for a Saturday than it does for a Sunday. I get it. But it surely helps because how many times has NXT TakeOver overshadowed the pay-per-view the next night? So it works both ways. But nonetheless, we broke down uh Roman's thoughts on CM Punk The Rock and Johnson. We broke down Bray Wyatt and Freddie Prince Jr.'s thoughts on why he possibly got released. We broke down SummerSlam. We broke down NXT Takeoff. It's time for me to break up out of here. I appreciate y'all rocking with me again. You can follow your boy at It's Ray Cash. Uh R-E-Y's and Mysterio C-A-S-H as in dollars. I know Kyle gives a speech and all the spiel. I don't know it. I just know I'm old and I'm sleepy and I'm tired. Time to go. You don't like that. We don't give a fuck. I give a fuck about you. I appreciate y'all. I'll let you boy later. We'll see you next week.